0: It's, it's B-Movie, B-movie Bonanza! <laughs> how you doing, everybody? It is Scotch from Jack FM. And Bob Harris here from the Mighty 790 KFGO. And we've got another round of B-Movie Bonanza for you. Uh, Bob turned me on to a new streaming app that Watch I was able to... Watch it, how to... you say that. What's that? That <laughs> <laughs> so I was able to add to my Roku box that is uh, called The Film Detective, and... Uh, you know, I was, I was a little wary. I, I went on there, expected just to find a lot of old, creaky movies from the 1920s. And I was so delighted to find that there was that, plus just, a, I mean, a wealth of cult movies and black exploitation movies and, uh, like, old drive-in fare. I mean, there's a lot of really fun stuff on it.
1: And some uh, interesting uh, original stuff from the film detective as well on there, introing some uh, really great classic films. So we were joined right now from the film detective himself. Uh, Mr. Phil Hopkins, and we want to welcome you to Fargo, sir. Thank you for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me, and I hope you guys are all safe and sound and holding up uh, the best you can during these uh, difficult
1: times. Well, we don't have our masks on right now, but we will have them on later. (laughs) We're far enough apart.
0: (laughs) So with uh, a lot of people cutting the cord these days and not uh, relying on subscribing to some satellite service or something like that, we're always looking for new options and It was really fun to to run across this and see that, especially coming up on Father's Day, you've got all sorts of great promos that are going to be launching on the uh, Film Detective app. And maybe you want to tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, sure. So what we're doing right now uh, for summer, actually, is we're starting off with our annual uh, drive-in classics. And I think today, because of what's going on in the world, we're going to see a resurgence of enthusiasm for drive-in movie theaters. So we're going to be starting in June. We'll be going back to the drive-ins on our app, as well as our live linear channel, and we'll be bringing out double features every Friday, uh, 7 o'clock, and bringing out all the great old Roger Corman movies and all the lo- old sort of lost B movies from my syndication days of watching late-night TV with my rabbit ears in my room as an old kid. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, we'll, we'll be uh, kind of delving deep into a lot of those great 50s sci-fi B movies. And in addition... Uh, we also have a documentary, which we're excited about, called Going Attraction. And that's the uh, definitive story of the American drive in movie. And it's a film by a filmmaker, April Wright, who made the movie, had a fondness for drive ins, and was able to interview a lot of the still standing drive ins. This was before we knew we'd have a resurgence in 2020. So that's a cool documentary. It has a lot of old-fashioned interstitials like the uh, refreshment stand and going back to uh, the old times where you're having the dancing hot dog and all those fun little interstitial ads you'd see when you had your speaker attached to your car. Oh, that
0: looks like a really fun uh, documentary. I'm anxious to watch that. And you hit the magic tickle spot when you said Roger Corman with us. I think the last 20 reviews we've done, <laughs> at least 15, 16 of them have been Roger Corman movies.
2: Good. We, we love Roger, and God bless him. He's, uh, he's still around, and... Uh, It's just an incredible career to be able to make that much great flock.
0: You not only provide
1: folks with these great classic movies, but aren't you a restorer, too? Don't you restore some of these that you find?
2: You do. So a lot of the um, challenges over the years, and I'm sure you guys are like me, you've probably gone through every single iteration of a version of *Night of the Living Dead. So back in the day when you had to go to your local video store and find, you know, kind of a VHS copy, if you weren't savvy enough to have your own 16-millimeter home movie theater... You'd go to various places that had different versions of all these movies that were kicking around. And with the advent of HD, it became a new challenge for people to raise the bar with the quality. And we got heavily into film restoration about 10 years ago, where a lot of the films that had come out in lesser versions, we were then going back and scanning them into HD, cleaning them up and making them look as good as they possibly can for today's um, kind of expectations of Blu-ray or 4K and things like that. So it's sort of a newfound appreciation. A lot of the B-movies kind of look a lot better than they did now um, that they have the restoration work. So it's really amazing with the new set of eyes on a new-looking print how much more appreciation one has for these old B movies.
1: This is pretty cool because Scotch, my partner here, uh, he has outdoor shows at his place.
0: <laughs> I live out in the country, yeah. so a lot of times we'll watch old horror movies on the side of our garage with the with the big projector. It's nothing like watching a horror movie by Campfire, you know?
2: Yeah, what do you sell at your theater?
0: What's that? What do you sell? <laughs> well, you know what? I usually give the popcorn away free, so I'm not <laughs> not making any money on that venture. I'm not obviously not too bright. <laughs> I, I was super impressed. There's so many titles, and you guys have westerns and silent movies and comedies and sci-fi stuff. I, I realize it's free if you want to, you know, watch it on on Roku. But you, the, the subscription price, if you want to watch it commercial-free, is actually pretty affordable.
2: Yeah, three ninety-nine a month, and uh, we have a lot of great partners. I mean, the, the attitude we have is we're not Netflix, and certainly Netflix isn't going to have, you know, the Wasp Woman or the status with Archangel Junior. So we kind of fill the void where a lot of the collectors of home video who still want to stream things and kind of have a destination for that. We work with um, those um, movies that would be appreciated by sort of the B-movie or cult movie the cinephiles or enthusiasts. And some of the partners that we have in terms of content providers uh, range from the great Sam Sherman, the founder, co founder of Independent International Pictures, that brought you great movies like Dracula versus Frankenstein or State and Status. And we also um, have a, uh, the Something Weird Video, which was sort of the most famous cult movie home video distributor from the late 80s through, you know, up through the 90s and even today. And we've partnered up with libraries like that delve deep not only into our library, but some of our friends that we just love their collections. So it's, it's a deep dive when you get into this type of stuff.
1: Now, I understand, too, you've got a pretty good rotation, right? I mean, we got some right now, but you may have some uh, re- refresh the library coming up in about a month or so, right?
2: We refresh every month. So we're not going to have a static uh, platform. Every month we have new themes, we have new kind of celebrations, and we usually add between 30 and 50 new titles a month. So really, you know, we we treat it as sort of a uh, a programmatic kind of um, cycle where we're not just leaving the same crap up every month.
0: I noticed you mentioned uh, Mike Rainey's something weird. I-, I was really excited when I stumbled across <laughs> Teenage Strangler the other night, and I called up Bob and I said, "I'm watching Teenage Strangler. You got to watch this." And I'm sure there are many people that aren't familiar with it. It's from 1964, and it's just—I mean, it's it's gleefully awful. It's almost like a parody <laughs> of of juvenile delinquent mo- movies, but uh, it's not a parody. They're as serious as can be. It's such a serious movie, <laughs> but the acting is is. Uh, is not really spot on.
2: Well, I'll tell you something about *Teenage Frankel*. So, um, interestingly enough, the producer of the movie was a very dear friend of mine. Oh, no kidding! And it was a fellow by the name of Elvin Feltner. and that was the first movie he had actually decided to get involved with. So, back then in the in the '60s, people like Herschel Gordon Lewis and um, Steve Friedman and different independent filmmakers were really kind of. Um, Creating this trailblazing experience for the drive-in movie theaters and for kind of the uh, you know late night cinemas that were showing a lot of these movies. And Elvin kind of could see that from a um, opportunity. He was working in owning TV stations, and he was starting to get interested in buying up the old libraries. So he had some money, and he said to himself, "Hey, I'm going to get into this." And Teenage Strangler was his very first movie. And it wasn't until years later that he and I started working together that I met Mike Brady as a direct result of talking to him about the movie, because he was one of the only people that had access to print, and Elvin hadn't seen it in probably 35, 40 years. So that was a great way to kind of meet Mike and talk about the movie, and then eventually get Elvin uh, involved with other movie which he made on his own about 20 years later called Carnival Magic which was recently riffed on the uh, new reboot of Mystery Science Theater.
0: <laughs> well yeah, no make no mistake I enjoyed it, but it it's it's got a vibe to it where I feel like like it was a sm- like a small town putting on a movie, you know? It almost felt like everybody in the movie in the cast was part of this It's like it, they came right off the street. Absolutely. And the gang Well, true. The,
2: true totally.
0: Like the totally, t- the, I agree. The tough malt shop gangsters in the movie, I love it because they're supposedly the bad boys, but you can tell they're like really intimidated by the cops, and the one was like, boy, I'd rather face them than face my old man. I mean, they <laughs> they don't want to stay out too late or they'll get in trouble with their parents. And then... He plays
2: a lot like an Archangel movie for sure, and I think the other thing I liked about it was he had this sort of high lonesome kind of surfy guitar going throughout the movie, which was yeah. really
1: cool. Yeah, G- great beat to it, yeah, that's for sure. And Yipe Stripes... <laughs> Did, did that become a hit?
2: <laughs> you know, uh, there's a great reissue of the songs from that on the Something Weird vinyl collection of um, some of these um, partnerships they've done with the folks over at Sundays. So I would. I would say if you're a fan of the movie, definitely check out some of the Something Weird compilation records that have been reissued and vinyl that includes a lot of those great soundtracks. Yeah, put on
0: the album and then just picture that gal and her pantaloons standing up there on the soda fountain. Oh, there you go. <laughs> out <and> out <laughs> yipe,
1: stripe. Phil Hopkins is our special guest here on uh, the uh, podcast of uh, B-Movie Bonanza. We're talking about uh, Teenage Strangler. Uh, by the way, I call this uh, uh, the E-Movie, by the way, because you had Jimmy, you had Mikey, you had Peggy. had yep. you- and then there was
0: Anne. <laughs> yeah. and, and Mikey was a little bit whiny, too.
2: I, 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 found, I found I found the original shooting script maybe about 10 years ago, and I actually brought it with me on a flight out to Los Angeles from Boston, and it was just one of the most hilarious things to read, because I can picture Alvin kind of sitting there late at night thinking, yeah, that's great dialogue, and, and coming up with the whole concept on his own and thinking he was going to just... Get this out of the park, and he was going to make oodles and noodles of money off of Teenage Strangler. Just the title alone
0: is going to sell. Oh, yeah. It's got a great exploitation title, and there are little subplots that are peppered in there, like, uh, you know, Mikey uh, trying to defend his older brother Jimmy about some bicycle that was stolen. I never really quite put that together, but (laughs) I guess that's what made him the suspect in this Strangler because he had a past of stealing bikes. I don't know. But you never really get to see any of the strangling on screen, but, you know, it, it, it. was no, big... you
2: don't, and it's, it's kind of done in the you know a way that everything's kind of done in the dark. You know, you, you mm-hmm. kind of it's implied. It's not so. It's, it's definitely fun for the whole family.
1: It was, and, and, and Phil. By the way, I got to ask you a question too here because we talk about this a lot. These movies back in those days, these classic B movies, they were really short. You could get through these. This uh, movie was only uh, one hour, one minute long.
2: Most of those films of that budget of that ilk were really kind of like hit it quick and get out, and. They did them on such a shoestring budget and, you know, very little kind of pre-planning. Everything was kind of off the cuff, and you see things that are just um, not correct, but that's part of the charm. And, again, you know, it wasn't until Mystery Science Theater kind of, you know, started ripping on these movies that it created a whole new generation of fans for these forgotten films that have just gone into obscurity.
1: By the way, we are talking about Mikey, the uh, nerdy little brother of Jimmy. I didn't realize this, but I looked him up, and and he actually has a best of Mikey on YouTube. Oh, does he? Yeah, there's the Best of Mikey from uh, Teenage Strangler. So uh, he's he's not the only one that's... Well, uh, been, that, uh, I mean, we're not the only one that's
0: noticed. Him. For my money, he was the shining point of the movie. I think he stood <laughs> out, especially the action sequ- uh, final sequence where he gets knocked off his bike with the car that's going maybe 10, 15 miles an hour. <laughs> you know, Didn't seem too threatening. But I did it. I enjoyed it a great deal. Good
2: to hear. Hopefully it will be shown at uh, theaters
0: uh, all over the country this summer. <laughs> well, I look forward. We should uh, talk with you again sometime. I would really enjoy it. And if people... People want to add uh, The Film Detective to their Roku box. They just what look for t- uh, TFD or The Film Detective online? Yeah,
2: so um, you can just type in The Film Detective. We're on all major platforms, so if you have Roku, that's great. If you have Amazon Fire TV, you can go there. You can actually also go to the iOS, so you can watch it on your telephone or Android device. And if you don't like to download apps or anything like that, just go to our website, TheFilmDetective.tv. You can stream everything for free on our website.
1: All right. Phil, before we let you go, we always do this. Uh, I, Bob Harris, will be giving two thumbs up for this movie. It is so bad, I actually think it's good. What do you think, Scotch? I'm giving it three thumbs up. Three thumbs up? Just to be weird. And, and Phil, we want your thumbs, up or down?
2: Oh, everything's pointing to the sky for my dear friend Elvin, who, uh, I hope to God, he's up there smiling. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Phil Hopkins, the film detective, our special guest here on the uh, B-Movie Bonanza podcast here. Phil, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it.
2: My pleasure. Have a great summer. That's
1: it for another edition of B-Movie Bonanza. I'm Scott from Jack FM. And I'm Bob Harris from the Mighty 790 KFGO.